Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm joining you from Anfield. The sun's just set. It's quite a beautiful sunset over Liverpool Bay and it cast a long shadow over the huge new main stand which is going up at Anfield with two of the tallest cranes that I've ever seen. I'm not going to speak too loudly because my Manchester accent probably won't be appreciated by everybody as I walk currently behind the cop and the Albert pub. I've just been in the Hillsborough uh, Justice campaign shop and they were people in there were saying that they're just about to await the final verdict and it's coming to an end of a very long campaign um, campaign for justice which they think they are about to get and good luck to them um, I think they've, they've done what's right for a, for a long long time and then I just walked in to the gates at the back of the cop and there's a statue of Bill Shankly who was great friends with Matt Busby and Shankly's got his arms um, spread out wide I think it's Shankly I've not got too close to it I hope I'm not doing Bob Paisley a disservice here but I do generally think it's uh, Bill Shankly and um, the back rows of the cops 12,000 seats are poking out over Liverpool's uh, megastore there's people walking around scouse touts asking for tickets fans who are just looking for tickets there's a lot of television trucks and this new main stand has created a big space behind it and one of the problems with Anfield was that it was hemmed in by tight terraced houses for years they had problems behind the Kemlin Road and they couldn't build a new stand and extend the Kemlin Road because one elderly couple refused to leave their house this is a very working class part of Liverpool and you see it comes alive on a, on a match day you wonder whether the pubs would survive without the custom from 44,000 people to go to Liverpool matches every couple of weeks. That figure's going to rise to 55,000 and may even rise beyond that if Liverpool build another stand above the Anfield Road. That's the end where the Manchester United fans are going to be tonight, 2,700 United fans. Well done to the fans who pushed for a bigger allocation there and got it. And United fans have been sent white away shirts uh, the one from this season and the idea from the club and Adidas who had some extra shirts and stock before they bring the new one in was for a wall of white I'm not sure how that will go down because if I was walking around now with a Manchester United shirt on I'd probably be okay it's nothing like as dangerous as it used to be but you don't really want to be bringing attention to yourself I've just been speaking to a lad who's selling one of the Liverpool fanzines from Nottingham and he spoke quite respectfully about Manchester United and uh, how he liked Carragher, and, of, which obviously he would do, and Gary Neville. He said he even liked Roy Keane when he does his television stuff. And I see lots of similarities between the two clubs. Um, I wouldn't like them to become close or anything because I love the enmity, I love the rivalry. Um, I love the edge when you go to United in Liverpool. And I don't like it when I come here and I see... Uh, just seen half and half United and Liverpool scarves I just can't get my head around who on earth would buy a scarf with United and Liverpool on it everyone here at the match tonight apart from the referee should be one or the other clearly there's a market for it and the lad selling the Liverpool fanzine was bemoaning that market and the people who just 
buy those type of scarves, but obviously there's a lot of tourists. Uh, this is a European Europa League game. It's the first time the two clubs have met in European competition. Remember 2002, being round at my mate's house in Flixton as Liverpool played Bayer Leverkusen, thinking we could get Liverpool in the next round, but Bayer Leverkusen knocked them out. And then he knocked Manchester United out. And the Germans reached the final, where they were beaten by Real Madrid and a brilliant volley from Zinedine Zidane. I'm going to walk now underneath the new main stand. I think it's ready for the start of next season. It's a huge structure, uh, not dissimilar to what the North Stand was like at Old Trafford when that was going up in 1995. And they're hoping that it it regenerates a big chunk of what is an area which has suffered a lot economically and I think two or three streets behind have been demolished and for the last 15 years when I've seen those houses they've been boarded up so clearly there's a lot of blight in the area and they're hoping to put a new high street behind the main stand um, I think there's going to be some, some, some statues, I think there's going to be a proper Hillsborough Memorial um, although I'm not sure whether that's staying where it is at the moment on, on the Anfield Road. And Liverpool really needed this big boost in capacity. Uh, you, you'd like me to go up to a scouser now, wouldn't you, and ask him about the game tonight? I've got, I've got, I've got to be very careful um, how I do this, just in case I get the wrong one. So I'm going to carry on walking. I'm going now under the main stand. So there's a, 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 a tunnel underneath it uh, I, mean, I do um, a Man United podcast can I just ask you a couple of questions as a Liverpool fan about the game how you think it will be tonight not at all uh, alright you soon you are soon it's all me liver alright good luck um, walking under the, the, the main stand now um, saw the reaction there when I just went up to a lad said he'd sooner sell his liver than speak on a Man United podcast which uh, I can understand that reaction I think there's plenty in Manchester who would do the same got to go and speak to different people as part of this podcast it's freezing really cold I know it's March Jadema go up to another Liverpool fan now and ask him no chance I'm sure there's lots of nice people who would uh, speak and we've had a good few Liverpool fans on the United We Stand podcast but <laughs> they weren't ones who uh, were approached unannounced so I'm walking around to where the United end is now and United fans are arriving uh, the coaches park up behind Stanley Park and fans are escorted in there's a lot of security uh, but it is much calmer than what it used to be like and then after the game fans are kept seg segregated uh, so I'm just now very close to the Hillsborough Memorial there's a big crowd of people because I think they're waiting for the teams to come in and I'm now in the back of that crowd so I don't want to be sound too loud with a Mancunian accent yeah, yeah. there's a coach coming here and uh, the fact that people are cheering would lead me to believe that it's the Liverpool coach and not the Manchester United coach. 
there's famous stories about United arriving at Anfield in the 80s when a brick was thrown through the window and there's some tear gas and Ron Atkinson said a a famous quote he compared coming to Anfield as being like Vietnam I'm not sure what Big Ron's experience of fighting against the Viet Cong was but you got the point so the Liverpool coach is coming in now United United So there's a couple of hundred people and they're all filming the coach which has stopped and the players are walking the last few yards into the main stand. They're being applauded. And you get similar scenes at Old Trafford and then the United team bus, I'm not sure whether it's coming or not yet, but would expect a, a different reaction. I remember a story from Ryan Giggs where he said that he arrived at Liverpool once and I think he was asked for his autograph and he was mildly surprised but he signed it and then as he signed it the lad just took it and screwed it up uh, autographs are requested less now it's more this um, selfie culture and I'm going to go inside the ground now I'm trying to try and speak to couple of journalists there's half an hour to kick off and I'm underneath the main stand at Old Trafford everyone's buzzing uh, I could delete that and start this again right? clearly I'm not at Old Trafford clearly I'm at Anfield and um, maybe that's a sign of pre-match nerves uh, the Borussia Dortmund Tottenham game is on the television Dortmund have just taken a 3-0 lead Anyway, enough of me. I'm with Jim White, the journalist for United We Stand, and he also does some work for the Daily Telegraph. And he's at Anfield, definitely not Old Trafford, for the Daily Telegraph tonight. How are you feeling ahead of the game, Jim? Well, not optimistic, put it that way. I mean, it's very difficult to know what's likely to happen. The best, I think, you can hope for is a scrappy win. I think Liverpool away has always been pretty unpredictable for United. Even when the team were good and were winning titles and winning European Cups, you never knew what you were going to get. But there were, it's often little runs. United would go undefeated here for four or five or six matches and then they wouldn't win for four or five or six games. And at least that has remained true. United have won the last four games against Liverpool. Five if you include the International Champions Cup in Miami. <laughs> One of Van Gaal's first game. You know, on that tour, this shows how things have changed. I saw members of United staff saying to Van Gaal, you've changed everything here. You've brought the buzz back. Things are great again. And Van Gaal was very diplomatic saying, thank you, thank you. He couldn't really say, of course I have, because he probably knew that he hadn't done. But the mood on that trip after Manchester United beat Liverpool and Real Madrid in front of 109,000 people Wow, I think that was a high point in terms of optimism with Van Gaal. But he does beat Liverpool. He does beat Liverpool. That's a, that, that's a, that's a point. And and of course, the, the the manner of the victory is of no import if there is a victory. It doesn't matter if it was a terrible, scrappy uh, goal in the last minute. It really doesn't matter. 
the important thing is the victory. And Liverpool are fantastically inconsistent as well. That's the thing. Both teams are. You know, Liverpool will go on a little run and then fall back just when you think they might break break forward. Is that just normal life when you when you're a team who is fifth, sixth, and seventh? Is that just getting used to normal life for us? You win some, you lose some. What I find odd about. Van Hals United is that they've lost to Bournemouth, Norwich, West Brom, Stoke, Sunderland, yet they've actually always done quite well against what we would classify, or as, at least what we used to classify as the big teams. You know, the, the only teams in the, of, the, of the top six that they've lost to uh, has been Arsenal, and, and they got revenge uh, on them. So, you know, that even adds more to the inconsistency, doesn't it? It's not like, oh, well, you're going to get beaten by the teams above you. You seem to get beaten by the teams below you. It's very odd. And there's another quirk away from home United are poor as well. I saw the other day that Crystal Palace and Bournemouth have both won as many away points as Manchester United in the league this year. It's just nowhere near good enough, is it? No, it isn't. And, you know, it's an odd thing. You get the reason why there was that little burst of confidence around when they beat uh, Shrewsbury and Mitterland and and Arsenal. Um, The reason for that little that little blip it was happenstance basically he'd lost a lot of players to injury so he brought Marticus Rashford in who played really well for a couple of games although I've noticed uh, in his last game against West Brom he was looking to pass the ball sideways so obviously he's been properly coached listening to his coach he's been properly coached none of this head down charge for the goal stuff no 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 Um, but the other thing that happened was that um, Van Gaal's first instinct is to play with two defensive midfielders and because of injuries to people like Fellaini and uh, Schweinsteiger he, he, he wasn't able to and he had to play Carrick at centre-back as well and it meant he brought Herrera into playing at the centre midfield with Mata at, at number 10 now they're fantastically inconsistent players but what that does do is mean you've got a bit of an advanced uh, forward thrust to the team um, and you know I noticed on tonight's team sheet you know the first hint that he's got people back um, is reverted to the defensive midfielders I still love coming to Liverpool as a Manchester United fan I've been buzzing all day today get excited I know it's only the Europa League I know well, the two teams thing. You, say it's only the, you say it's only the Europa League and, and, and obviously to a degree these two teams pedigree suggests they should be above it but it doesn't matter this could be the Johnson's paint trophy and it would still you know I've, I've, been, I've noticed that the 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 guys you meet on the street, the taxi drivers, they've all been really keen to talk about this game, talk about what you think your chances are, what you think of the current United and so on. Really interesting the way that it has buzzed, uh, gripped both sides. Because it's a football city. It's like Manchester. It's a brilliant football city. Football really matters here. And you know, would it matter the same if you were talking to a taxi driver in Paris? You know, you'd find some who were, who were interested, but... I travel around the world watching football. I've, I've just been in South America watching football. You meet some people who are really, really into the football. In huge football countries like Brazil, but the northwest of England, the north of England, because Newcastle, to be fair to Newcastle, and Glasgow in Scotland as well, football matters more in these places than anywhere I've been to, including Barcelona, including Madrid. You walk in the cake shop, and the lady serving you might not go to matches, but she knows what's going on. I've been to um, a wake at a funeral this afternoon. So I don't need to look at me with any sympathy. It's not someone I was particularly close to. Just that my mum was there and was picking her up. And everyone knew I was going to the game. And they're asking me about it. And I've got 60, 70-year-old ladies 
they're saying well he's not doing so well is he and he'll come good and everything they tend to say tends to be right you know they'll, they'll spot like Cantona what, say, what do they say about Van Hull your ladies um, your committee well, of ladies well I'm from a part of Manchester where a lot of people work for Manchester United and some of them work at Carrington and as a as a human they say he's a nice person I'm not heard that from everybody but the players also think he's, he's a decent person and I heard the same at Barcelona away from this media shell uh, he's quite a compassionate person uh, he doesn't have the same personal skills that Sir Alex Ferguson has at United but then he's not been able to build them up for 26 years but I do think he's a good person I speak to one of his good friends on a regular basis and he gives me little snippets of information which I find really interesting like he said when he got the job he sent an email around to his 15 closest friends saying I'm immensely proud to tell you that my next job will be the mighty Manchester United and I love hearing stuff like that and part of me thinks uh, I wish it had have worked out better for him um, but it just hasn't. We can't pretend otherwise. And I just can't see him lasting. Well, if we get knocked out of two cup games, the pressure would increase again. Yeah. And yet, after December, he still kept his job. Do you think he's going to be around next year, Jim? I, I wonder. I, I mean, my feeling with him is that he clearly was a very talented coach. But I, I think that he's, he's past his sell-by date. I don't know whether he's got old-fashioned ideas. I've heard that on the training ground he's very, very dogmatic, and what he doesn't do is just allow the game to flow. He's a man who believes in control. He believes that you can, as a coach, control every element of the game. And so he will issue an instruction to the players once they start doing it he won't see how it goes he'll stop and say no I want it like this and he'll stop it again until they do it and, I and he's always done that he did that at Barca one, two, three times who was the interview? Philip Koku who worked under him Philip Koku said he'd tell you to do something and if you didn't do it he'd tell you to do it again if you didn't do it he would tell you sternly to do it again if you didn't do it the third time you'd get an almighty bollocking off him and he's had success doing that, but is it relevant now? Is it you sort of you're suggesting he's past it? Well, I just wonder whether you know the the, the methodology that that uh, they embrace at Barcelona, which is lots of tight, small-sided games, c- creating your own way out of a situation, so that when you get into a match, you know what to do. You've got it instinctively in your brain, rather than this kind of rote learning way that he goes about it. I think maybe. One certainly that players prefer and players adapt to. I don't think we're, we've not heard of any kind of revolutions being. There's, there's no unrest in the dressing room, but I think they find it a little, a little kind of tight and dogmatic. They do. They do. They like his honesty. They like his openness. Um, but tactically, there, there are questions about him. A kickoff is approaching. I'm going to ask you for a score prediction, and I'll give one myself. I've already made a fool of myself twice on this podcast once by saying I'm at Old Trafford, and two by asking a scouser to speak to me and him saying that he'd uh, rather sell his liver. If I would have been sharper, I would have offered him 15 quid for his liver and then got him on here, but I'm not that sharp. Uh, I'm going to say one all, and I'll put a, a rider with that. I haven't got a clue because I've given up trying to predict Manchester United this season. I haven't got a clue. Liverpool have got a very attacking side out. They've got Firmino, Coutinho, Sturridge and Lallana, which as a front four is pretty adventurous. Um, So that could go one of two ways. Either they're going to blitz United in the first half and it could be in trouble. I reckon if it gets to half-time at 0-0, United might nick it. 
You can read Jim White in The New United We Stand, which goes on sale outside Old Trafford. It's definitely Old Trafford and not Anfield on Sunday afternoon. He's written a, a very good column, as he always does this month. How long have you been writing for United We Stand now, Jim? 15 years, is it? 97. 18 years. Do you enjoy it still? I do, I love it. Yeah. It's a great magazine. Buy it. Thank you. Game's just finished, just outside um, Anfield. Fans are walking past, they've just been singing a song about poetry in motion, and Manchester is uh, full of shit, so it's a wonderful place to be for a Manchester United fan. Um, I've found two Liverpool supporters who don't want uh, to sell their liver before having rather than uh, speak to me. And uh, they both live in Manchester. Um, Stephen uh, Kelly, Nick Kelly. Stephen is a writer who's written, I think he's written about 15 books on Liverpool. And he's they've both gone to games, home and away, for years and years and years. Proper Liverpool fans living in Manchester, which. That must be odd, Steve, being a Liverpool fan in Manchester. It is a bit strange at times, yeah. Although, oddly enough, there are a lot of Liverpool fans around Manchester. And I mean, even in our street, there's four, five, six Liverpool fans. Why do you think it is? Do you think Manchester... We're going to get straight into trouble here when we're talking, but is Manchester a bigger economic centre and draws talent in yeah. from Liverpool? Yeah, I think that's true, yeah. One has to give that, concede that point. I mean, yeah, there's a lot... That's a much bigger city anyhow. Liverpool's quite a small city, to be honest. And yeah, Manchester, because it's got a big economic centre, does draw people in with occupations. But originally from Liverpool? I'm from Liverpool, yeah, yeah. 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 And you used to work on, on the... Um, in the shipbuilders? I worked at Camel Laird for five, six years, and then I went to university and then finished up working at Granada Television. So you worked at a time when Liverpool was a great yeah. shipbuilding yeah. Um, centre? Yeah, terrific. Yeah, it was a huge shipbuilding centre. It was a, The docks were thriving. It was a very different kind of city to what it is today. I'm talking about... You don't want to talk about the docks. game, Andy, do you? I don't want to talk about the game. How can I, as a Manchester United fan think of anything positive from that game apart from David De Gea being brilliant but I've just seen my team lose 2-0 at Anfield I'll give you a minute in the sun what did you make of it? I thought it was a terrific game I really enjoyed it I thought the atmosphere was great I thought Liverpool were really impressive I thought they played as well as I've seen them play in a good few years I didn't think United were that bad actually but De Gea was superb I mean he must have saved three or four chances that were no other goalkeeper would have got Nick, another Liverpool fan, born in Manchester. Yeah, born in Manchester. Why don't you support the 20 times champions of England? Well, bloodline. <laughs> yeah, bloodline, exactly. I <laughs> uh, obviously grew up with uh, United winning year in, year out. But And you went to Liverpool, didn't you? You go home and away? Yeah. yeah. Every game? Yeah. And, yeah? Uh, Every single match from, from, from Manchester? Yeah. Where do you meet up with your mates? Like, if, if Liverpool are playing in, like... <clears throat> London, just meet them at the ground, you make your own way. Yeah, I know, I mean, it, it's difficult, obviously, you know, with the cost of tickets now, a lot of people my age can't afford it, so it's... It's, it's going to be a little bit better with the £30... Well, hopefully, hopefully, yeah, yeah hopefully that, but hopefully that'll transcend to home supporters as well, you know. Obviously, you saw the ticket prices at Liverpool released originally, and then they revised them to... To you know, nearly double the price. But it's considerably more expensive than Old Trafford, even to sit on the cock compared to the Stratford end. Yeah, twenty-six pounds um, to sit right behind the goal at the Stratford end. There's only two thousand seats behind 
uh, on that lower tier. The average price is like £36, but you think you pay £45 to yeah, sell the cop? Yeah, I mean, ours ranges there's a, uh, you know, from £735 that we pay on the cop, whereas I think the lowest season ticket United is about £550, yeah. so there's quite a big gap there already, uh, you know, with it going up next season to over 1000 Yeah, it's difficult for people my age to get through a game. Um, you've obviously had a lot of low points as a Liverpool fan, but I'm, I'm expecting you to say that tonight wasn't one of them. No, I thought we were excellent. Uh, I thought a lot. Everyone played well. You know, Klein particularly. I thought uh, Sacco defensively we looked solid. What's again. that Sacco chant? Sacco, Sacco. <laughs> he looks so sort of. He does. He looks so ungainly. He does. He, he doesn't he, give the ball away. No, he's. He does that. People, I think, you know, the casual fan look at him and see how ungainly and how, you know. Unsure he might look on the ball, but to to me and my dad who go every week, he's a fantastic defender. You can see that. It's, it's the way he presses the ball out of defence. I mean, the Liverpool defenders now give him the ball more often, and nearly almost every time he passes the ball, it's an accurate pass upfield. He's very, very good at finding players. United and Liverpool were meeting in the Europa League, both pretty inconsistent. I know you've won tonight. United have won the last four matches. Five if you count a friendly in America, which I don't, but I'm just going to remind you to of it. Um, these aren't great times for either club. Are you optimistic about your future? I think you've got to be with Klopp. I think uh, if he has a good summer, signs the right players. You know, we announced a 60 million profit the other day. Uh, we made profit again on Sterling last summer. If we can bring the right players in, I think, you know, obviously Firmino's looking okay. Irigi came on, looked lively. I think there are bright shoots there. I do think we can improve next season because Klopp seems to have inherited quite a lot of pretty average players he has I mean there are ones up there that you think will move on in the summer obviously Benteke doesn't look a good fit at all but yeah if we can get a good couple of players the players that we signed this summer a few of them settle in yeah, I definitely think we can progress next year. And Steve, are you optimistic? About I'm that? very optimistic. I, um, I don't think it's always about having the 11 best players in the world in your side. I think it's about getting a team to play together, as we see with Leicester at the moment. Um, and I think Klopp can do that. I mean, uh, Liverpool played a very high-intense game today. I mean, tonight they were, you know, as soon as a United player got the ball, there were four players on them. And I think that's the style that Klopp likes. Um, a high-pressure game, a lot of intensity. And I, th- I mean, I think, yeah... There were some good performances there tonight. And, and there have been players who've come through, like Lovren and Henderson and Firmino. And the fans have got on their back over, over time. But, you know, beginning now to show the true value as players, and they're looking quite good. I mean, Origi was one that people kind of wrote off immediately. You know, he didn't look great in the first couple of games, but now, he's, yeah, he's, he looks good. He looks more positive. He's got energy. Yeah, I think... I think how do you think the future's right? You go to Old Trafford next week? You know what, I didn't get a ticket. I, uh, so you live I'd two ba- miles from Old Trafford? I'd, you've I'd like to publicly uh, have a go at our ticketing system. I logged on. I missed out on a ticket because of our, yeah, the website was, was just shit. So you, can, you, can, you can pretty much hear Old Trafford where you live. And you're not you know what, I can, I can see it from my flat now. Really? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a 20-minute walk you're in, away. You live in Old, Old Trafford? I, I live in Hume, yeah. <laughs> Where are you going? 
Uh, no, we never got a ticket. Yeah. We missed out, so unfortunately, rugby. You think but you're I have to say, I actually don't like going to United Liverpool games at Old Trafford. I find them a bit. I don't know I just don't like the atmosphere I, mean, I think it can be yeah. really nasty at some of these games because I think there was some nasty chanting going on here tonight I don't like that and I think well, it's been highlighted this week I saw uh, Daniel Sayers article in The Guardian today and yours there's just no need for it is there? there's no need for the two most successful clubs in England to kind of stoop to that level you know torn each other about tragedies it's, it's needless do you think you'll go through? Uh, I th- would have liked the third goal. Um, I think if Liverpool can score at Old Trafford, they'll be okay. You've watched Liverpool for years. You, you knew, you interviewed yeah. all the, the Paisleys and your Shankleys and all of these people. What was the greatest Liverpool team that you've oh, seen? Oh, it was clear, definitely without any shadow of a doubt. Was the Dalglish, Rush, Sunes, Nickel, Barnes, yeah. yeah uh, Lawrenson. The one that drew three all against Absolutely. United. Yeah, probably, yeah. Well, <laughs> when Liverpool were playing really well, United used to get the best of us. <laughs> um, although, oddly enough, it's not been quite like that over recent years because you've won the last four games against us. Um, so tonight, you owed us. We're all going back to Manchester now. Yeah. <laughs> all right, have a safe journey back. And you. And um, I hope that... Um, you get eliminated next week, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Thank you for your time. I'll see you, Andy. You take care, mate. Oh, I'm walking out of Anfield now. It's 11 o'clock at night. The traffic's clearing. Just uh, walking past the spot where I got knocked back by the Liverpool fan who won't speak to me. I tell you what, I don't feel half as chirpy as I did before the game. That's because United have been beaten 2 0. I just spoke to uh, Juan Mata and he said what you would expect him to say. Very disappointed. Um, thinks that United can turn it round stressed the importance of the fans really getting behind the team at Old Trafford you'd expect him to say that but I think he's got a point if United are to go through Old Trafford's got to be absolutely rocking Anfield was brilliant tonight hurts me saying it but the first 10 minutes of that game it's probably the best atmosphere I've seen at Old Trafford now speaking to Liverpool fans and they were saying it's the best that it has been for years. And obviously beating Man United is going to help them. Oh, freezing cold. Turning into a lightweight here. And I also spoke to uh, Jamie Carragher. And he was quite critical of United. Uh, I might put his comments on this podcast. Don't Liverpool were outstanding. It's probably as, as poor a Man United just a team of performance I think I can remember really, uh, but I think the one the one sort of thing nagging at me right throughout the game was the saves of the Gaia coming back to uh, Haunt Liverpool and that's sort of still me one fear because two 0 is listen we we bit your hand off for two 0 before the game but uh, it's only a goalie charge for Manchester United and you know it's in a still very difficult place to go no matter you know what the sort of maybe certain problems they have so it's. Uh, Obviously, I'd say Liverpool at one nil. I'd have said it was probably 50-50 maybe slight favourites United. They get two nil. Liverpool are probably uh, slight favourites, but I'd only just say slight. Atmosphere tonight? I thought it was a good atmosphere. Really? Uh, yeah, and I think Louis Van Gaal said that he wants the same at Old Trafford. And I, listen, back to the wall, we'd be the same if we were in that situation. You create that atmosphere, but it's up, up, to, up to Liverpool to kill that atmosphere and they kill that atmosphere by getting a goal. Because if Liverpool get a goal, I think that could be the uh, the end of it. Finally, why are United so poor? Uh, 
I don't know. I mean, the, the, the pressure Liverpool put on them, you know, is you know, Klopp's teams Dortmund have done that. They've done it to Man City. It's okay saying you know what you're going to do to stop it, but you get put under that that pressure. And to be honest, Man United haven't got the place to deal with that pressure. If I'm being totally honest, the quality I think they did in the past. Yeah. Because it's nothing new. He'd always try and play against United at home like that. It's a tighter pitch than Old Trafford, and, and that makes some of that plays into United's hands. The, the bigger pitch, uh, maybe less easy for Liverpool to get after them and close people down. So that maybe obviously be an advantage for United second leg. Um, walking past what is it now? The Albert Pub on Walton Brett Road, and I'm running out of things to say because Manchester United have just been beaten by fucking Liverpool, two 0 the United coach is just under the main stand the players are on it and uh, <laughs> something's just making me smile Phil Thompson it's definitely him can see his nose he's just run past me it looks like his lift's been knocked back he stood on Walton Breck Road and uh, yeah, he's <laughs> Phil Thompson stuck in Liverpool hardly front page news for the Liverpool Echo but he looks a bit flustered and on a night like tonight such small mercies bring a smile bring the next podcast to you from West Ham at Old Trafford on Sunday let's hope that things are better let's hope now that when I get back to my car it's there and um, it's in a good shape because it's a higher car and I'm going to drive now on the East Lanks back to Manchester, la la la, thoroughly pissed off because United have been beaten. I'm fucking bored of hearing my own voice now, so I'm sure you are too. Good night, God bless.